This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbrot. With me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Travis, and today we're really excited. We've got Greg Vincent uh, calling in. Um, we are going to be social distancing uh, for this podcast, uh, normally he'd be in studio with us, but we are excited to uh, to get him on the show. Yeah, today's going to be the the first ever phone interview, so uh, we're going to get to see how that works. See if we hit the right buttons. <laughs> I think we will hit the right buttons, and we're really banking on your uh, whatever thing you got for us. Yeah, what is it, the iRig two? Not a sponsor plug. No, this is a uh, <laughs> this is our last ditch effort to get this thing right. So <laughs> we're uh, we're excited for that, and. Uh, We've uh we've gotten to enjoy some more time fishing together here. Uh, just not me and Brian, but a lot of us here at the plant um, getting together for our remote. How would you? It's not really a remote tournament. It's our weigh in on the water from yeah. your own boat kind of deal, one on one. Um, a lot so, of trust goes into that though. A lot of trust. Uh, yeah. And I've watched you pull on some tails. So we <laughs> we will have a marshal next week just to see because Brian has been uh, victorious uh, twice now, once. Uh, once or twice, huh? Greg Stromer, engineer, won one. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun to, to everyone to kind of get out and just relax a little bit, have a little fun fishing derby, bring the kids out or wife out. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you, it's been it's been tricky for me, though. I mean, week to week, Tim's Ford changes so much anyway, and everybody mm -hmm. knows that. But, you know, one week we're just smashing them right up tight on the bank, and the next week you're right down the same bank and can't get a bite. So it's been interesting. But I've been getting the kids out a lot. Uh, I fish about half of that deal with a partner and then pick up a kid at about 9.30 in the morning and finish out. You draft them. Um, You've got four kids to pick from. One, one's yeah. not of age, so yeah, they, I mean, each kid gets their own week. So They do, and uh, unfortunately, my youngest son, Gavin, lost his turn. He got into trouble about an hour before he was supposed to meet me at the boat ramp, so he, he lost a rotation. Demoted. Yeah, yeah, so his sister came out, but uh, they've been catching them, though. I mean, Gavin caught uh, a couple three-pounders all on his own uh, the other day. So that's pretty neat. No, that's awesome. I think there's been a lot of people getting out that uh, haven't been fishing here in a while and just enjoying some fresh air, some just some space and time on the water. Yeah, I've seen some some new faces. You know, you get you get used to seeing the same people at the boat mm -hmm. ramp. You know, same you trucks local. in the same spot, yeah. I've seen a lot of new faces, a, a ton of boats that I haven't seen, um, and you could tell they have not seen the light <laughs> in a couple of years. So pretty neat to see uh, a rejuvenation of people getting out on the water and fishing. Absolutely. I and think. hopefully those, uh, those old motors and, and boats that aren't quite starting up, people will start thinking about getting a new one here yeah. soon. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're definitely seeing more clouds of smoke at the ramp. <laughs> this old one's been, firing up. The smell of gasoline has been in the air from a couple of those carbureted engines for yep. sure. Um, but no, it's been good. We're excited and uh, excited to get Greg on today, check in with him. He's had some uh, some su success on the, uh, the Bass Pro Tour and, and the Elites and even FLW, but really the last uh, two years he's kind of come into his own and, and really taken a hold of that format. Oh, yeah. And and he, you know, you can't ask for much of a nicer guy. Mm -mm. I mean, just easy to talk to, you know, humble. Which most of the people we talk to are. I mean, it's it's pretty refreshing and entertaining to get to people that we have watched from afar, uh, growing up and stuff like that. And uh, when you get to talk to them, they're just the nicest, most humble people, and share information with you. And I'm really excited to see uh, how you got the nickname. 
Yeah, that's being a redhead, I bet you are. Yeah. You're probably going to get onto that uh, right off the, the giddy there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, he's an Auburn fan too, so you can't expect much more from him. Just super nice, humble, down to earth guy. That's just something that's kind of in our DNA as Auburn fans. It's just something we do. Oh, I don't know that those would be the adjectives I'd use to <laughs> describe Auburn fans, but okay. Well, let's see if we can uh, get him dialed up here, get him on, and uh, see what he's been up to and check in with uh, Mr. Vincent. All right, let's do it. We've got with us today Greg the Rooster Vincent calling in from Wetumpka. Uh, we are social distancing, or really it's physical distancing, since we are uh, satellite calling him now for our first phone-in interview. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Just enjoying a little sunshine down here in central Alabama. You know, been trying to catch a few fish, knock out a few weeds, trimming the shrubs. How's Martin and, been uh, fishing? Oh, it's been good, man. It's been good. Martin has uh, really come on the last few years. It's, you know, we got blueback herring in there now. Mm -hmm. And uh, just noticed, just started noticing them a little bit, probably, probably five, six years ago, actually. And I, I really didn't say much about it because <laughs> <laughs> I got a little experience fishing herring lakes. And I thought, well, I'll have a little fun before the word gets out. But um, it has really come on. The, it is the numbers of fish have always been good on Lake Martin, but they're, almost exponentially better now and the quality of the fish has gone up especially the spotted bass the largemouth has gotten a little tricky as you might expect you know when the herring kind of dominate but um the largemouth in certain areas of the lake are coming on and we're seeing some bigger ones than we've seen in the past too so you know they're they're learning to adapt as well you know and um it's it's really it's a it's such a fun lake to fish year round you know Boat traffic's a little tough this time of year, but you can still catch them. Mm -hmm. if, if you can stand the boat traffic and the waves, and um, then you can still catch them. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been awesome. Well, I got a question before we get too far into this. Uh, I'm a fellow redhead myself, and I've never <laughs> got a cool nickname like the rooster. I, I got called a lot of things, but they weren't ever good ones. How would you get dubbed with that? Ah, oh, man, you know, uh, it's funny you said that, you know, because, uh, you know, this whole, you know, one of the things you can't go to the barber shop you know, and, and you can't, you know, our, our, our hair place over there, we go to, you know, we, we hadn't been able to get in touch with her. She's gone AWOL on us. So, um, you know, mine's, I got a little red flow kicking right now, Brian. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing that, uh, I, I heard that carrot top's starting to get a little jealous. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do something for long, but yeah, that's where it came from. I actually, uh, my first season on the elite series, <clears throat> um, first season with with dave mercer came in and uh and we had keith allen just before that and then dave came in and you know he was learning different things about all of us and you know kind of taking that and running with it on stage and having a good time with us and uh so we were down in florida and uh a buddy of mine down there uh ran up it was one of our first turn may have been the first tournament of the season my buddy runs up to him and tells dave he's like hey yeah that's the rooster you know and <laughs> Dave doesn't know any better, you know, <laughs> he's learning stuff about us and, and he ran with it. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. You know, I'm, I've been called worse, so <laughs> let's, let's go with it. And, uh, it just kind of stuck, you know, and it's something people can remember. And, and, uh, you know, growing up, I've heard all the, all the redhead comments and I, it's kind of a term of endearment now, you know, and, uh, so it's, it's something fun to roll with and people can, can remember me by and that's, that's it. Nothing. Nothing more significant than that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun. 
Have you thought about doing a Red Rooster like logo for something? I've got it, brother. I have got it. Do and you? I've been thinking about breaking it out and I've got I've got one that would just it, it it's so cool on a look good on a t shirt or a hat, you know, and been thinking about breaking it out and you know, if we find out people are interested in, in doing that, then uh, it'd be a lot of fun, you know, to 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 put that out. But it looks cool. You know, it's a cool rooster. It's not a, you know, <laughs> it's it's one that I like, you know, and I'd sign off on. And uh, we, we changed up the spelling a little bit and made it kind of cool. So, um, yeah, maybe you'll see that pretty soon. Well, 25% off for real redheads, I think, is a good marketing strategy for you. For sure. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> and you can just couple that right on into a, a fast food chicken joint. Hey, I'm I'm game for that because I I'm I'm all about some wings, brother. I like chicken, about like Bubba Gump and the shrimp. I like chicken <laughs> all different ways. And, uh, but uh, I am I'm a sucker for some wings. I could eat wings every night. And uh, yeah, so we we might that might be a good idea, especially if we we don't get to start fishing pretty soon. <laughs> what have you been doing in this time? You've uh, taken some time to reorganize, tackle, get stuff in order. You got a honeydew list. What you been up yeah. to? Yeah. Uh, all of the above, you know, it's amazing, you know, and I say this when we have the off season, cause you know, people ask us a lot of times, well, what do you do? You know, first thing people ask me there, do you do anything besides fish? And, and I say, no. And I, you know, I think people, you know, cause a lot of guys do, they have other businesses and things they're involved in. But for me, you know, I've had to kind of totally sell out on the fishing thing. And I spend a lot of time in, in normal condition normal situations i'm i'm down here all the time working on tackle refining tinkering you know on the lake trying to you know working on things no different than you know a professional pitcher would be you know getting their throws in throwing in the bullpen or you know a football player getting their workouts in you know and for Mm -hmm. fishing you kind of got to stay sharp the same way but you know we've had so much time during this layoff and you're it's right in the peak this is the time of year that we're normally grinding man we're we're just wide open this time of year and so it's kind of weird you know and so you know the neat thing is i've been able to spend some more time with the family and be close to home during a time of year that normally i wouldn't and uh we've done some fishing we've done some yard work you know and um you know spent some time outside you know where i live we're we got a good bit of space you know Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got we've got a good bit of space and you know fortunately in alabama we've we've uh, we're dealing with it like everywhere, but um, we haven't been hit near as hard, you know, as some some of the more urban type areas. So, um, you know, I feel comfortable getting out in my own truck, my own boat, you know, mm-hmm. and fishing out on the open water. And I've been I've been going, and I'm almost tired of beating up on these. Uh, I, we call them our pets around here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's been fun. I've been you know getting out there and fishing some and shooting a few videos, did a, a challenge with Keith Poche the other day. And, um, we haven't, uh, haven't mentioned it yet, but, uh, we're working on doing a challenge with Mark Daniels jr. Here. Um, so just, uh, coming up this week and I think that looks like that's going to be a, a fun deal. So, um, just trying to stay busy, man. And in, in between getting the yard spruced up and, and, and trying to stay ahead of that honeydew list, which most people know you don't ever get ahead, but <laughs> you can, uh, if you get ahead, it just can, gets longer, That's right. but you can, you can try to keep up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned that when I worked with the state, you know, you, you got to pace yourself. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you had mentioned that, that you don't have a lot going on outside of fishing, but I know you and I had talked last fall. Um, a lot of people may not know this, but you actually helped uh, coach your son's football team 
Yeah. yeah I think you guys yeah. made it to the championship, right? You helped lead that ship all the way to the championship. Oh man, that was so much fun, you know, and working with those kids, you know, and, and I've, I've done, I've coached baseball and I've, I wanted to be a head coach cause I, you know, I, I played most of you guys know. And so I have a lot to share and, you know, and I enjoy working with those kids and, and, uh, you know, seeing them learn and, but I haven't been able to do a head coach <clears throat> job because, you know, we've been busy. We've been, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't commit. If I'm gone, I'm gone for a full week at a time. And so, uh, you know, I've been an assistant and everything. And, man, it is so cool, you know, to to take these kids. You know, this this group of football kids that we had this year, most of them, all but one that we had on the whole team, had never played football before. And you can imagine, uh, you know, you've got ideas of, you know, positions and drills and responsibilities and all this stuff. And we quickly realized that the first thing we got to do is show them how to line up on the ball mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and learning the difference between, you know, you can tackle in defense, but you can't tackle in offense. <laughs> and so that's what, that's what we started with. And man, we just had this, an awesome group of kids. You know, we had some talent, they came together good. We had a good, you know, good mixture of kids and, it was amazing to, you know, thinking back when we started out with those kids that just, they didn't even know how to line up. They didn't know how to put their pads on their helmets. You know, we had to do all of that for them and to go from that to the end of that football season. I mean, they were playing football, you know, they're running plays, they're, they're lining up, you know, they're going on different snap counts and, you know, the whole, you know, within a season. So it's really cool to watch these, the real young kids, just how much they can soak up that information. It's, it was awesome. I get jacked up, man. I, you know, you probably see me on the water and I'm kind of low key most of the time. And then every once in a while that redhead comes out in me and I get a little fired up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I wondered a few times the rest, you know, if I, if I, I was, I thought it was going to be pretty embarrassing if I was going to be one of those parents to get chunked <laughs> out of there. Cause I get, I get fired up over there like a coach. <laughs> so well, but you, I just, you touched on it. It's interesting when you're coaching the youth, you know, so many people look at it and say, well, they're only X years old. They can't do this. They can't do that. But yeah, it's actually yeah. the opposite. They don't know what they shouldn't know or what they, they can't they do. Don't. All they, they know is what learn. you teach them. Yeah. Exactly, man. And, and and I've seen it in baseball. It's all sport. It's all, it's anything. It's really yeah. anything. You know, it's fishing's the same, you know, you can apply it to anything. Fishing would be the same way. Um, you know, you got to get them out there and you do it incrementally, you know, and, and you, you can't, uh, you can't expect them to know everything. Um, but you just, you, you work on different steps in the process and their you know, their minds are young. They're not like ours all cluttered up with fishing information and, and life problems, you know, they're, they're just like a sponge. So you get them out there and you teach them a, you know, a step and then you build off of that and teach them the next step. The next thing you know, it's like, wow, they're doing it, you know? And, um, they, they get a lot. I, th- I think the coolest thing and something like that is what those kids get out of it, you know, to see the, you know, the reward they, they see when, when they get it and when they, when they're able to make that tackle or they're able to, you know, break, break that run or in baseball, they're able, they, you know, they go from not being able to even touch a ball swinging at it to, you know, hitting it every time and then hitting it hard. That, that for them is, is huge for their self-confidence, you know, and they just, you just really see them take off when they, when they get that self-confidence that, Hey, I can do it, you know, mm-hmm. oh, and, uh, I'll tell you fishing something. the same way. <laughs> I'll tell you something that's funny. You know, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I've got young kids and I coach uh, baseball and football. I leave basketball to other people, but, um, 
my kids are dying right now because baseball season's kind of suspended. Oh yeah. And yeah. and I'm getting asked all the time by all these people because I coach like, Oh man, you gotta be working on ladder drills and you got man, they've got to be getting honed in. No, no, we're fishing. <laughs> you yeah. know, we got plenty yeah. of season to do that other so we are fishing. My kids have been loving it. Uh we've been Absolutely. fishing a ton. We'll work on baseball when they tell us we can get back on the diamond, you know. Um, so it's been a unique sure. opportunity. My kids don't normally get to fish in the spring, so it's been pretty fun uh, changing that's, gears. That's awesome. I, th- I think I have seen so many, man. It's one of the cool things, one of the really cool things about about fishing, about the outdoors, you know, with this whole virus thing that's going on is I have seen more, you know, fathers and sons or, you know, husbands and wives or, you know, things like that on the water. And it's, it's all during the week. And, um, you know, I know people are going through some tough times, you know, economically and, and, you know, all the different stuff that's going on, but man, it's just really cool to see people, you know, get that opportunity to get out there and, and, you know, make the best out of it, to get on the water and spend some time together and fish, you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to go out there and just blast them every time. If you just get out there, you know, it, it does a lot for you you know, mentally, <laughs> you know, when you, you got all these things you, you're worrying about it. And a lot of, a lot of things you're worried about that you can't control. And, uh, you know, it's like fishing's that, that escape where you can get out there and just, you know, just be out there on the water and not worry about things for just a little bit of time. And it's, I know for me during this time, it's been really good for me because if I'm sitting around the house, I'm stressing and worrying about when we're going to be fishing tournaments again and what it's going to be like. And, you know, whether, the economy's gonna hold up and then I get out there on the water, man, and it's just me and trying to catch a fish there for a few hours. And it it really, you know, it helps me and I know it does other people out there. So it's good that we've been able to still still get out there on the water. Oh, absolutely. It definitely has. Uh you brought it up too, you you pitch. I think we could make a, a heck of a dang minor league team out of the Phoenix pros that have played yeah. college ball. <laughs> uh well, you played at what, uh Auburn Montgomery? Yeah, I played at, at Auburn Montgomery, and um, you know it's funny, you know, with Russ, Russ Lane played at Huntington. I think Russ ended up getting drafted. We he was a little bit ahead of me, and uh, so I never got to play against Russ, and uh, didn't know him until I started fishing actually. But yeah, we've several, you know, ball players out there that fish. You know, I think it's that. I think a lot of it is that you're competitive. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you've got that competitive nature naturally. And that's and it takes that to to be successful in tournament fishing. You've yep. got to be competitive. You know, you got to have that drive to keep going when maybe things aren't going your way and fish aren't biting or you're not figuring them out or whatever's going on. And you see that from you know guys that were successful in sports and they they want to still compete too. You know, in fishing, you know, for me was that got out of football, you know, and baseball and realized I couldn't do baseball anymore and I'm you know, I'm able to compete in fishing and uh, it's something that I loved since I was a little kid anyway. So it was a good fit for me. And I'm sure it is for the, the other guys too, that are former athletes. Now, did you ever have any aspirations of going pro or was it an injury? Uh... No, you know, my deal with fishing is really weird. I, I, you know, when I got, I've always loved fishing. I fished with my dad, you know, and he was in a club and and I, I really liked, you know, if we fished some tournaments and I, you know, I guess just being competitive like I was, I just got jacked up about fishing a tournament. You know, something about get when you get a bite in a tournament or you catch a fish in a tournament, that rush that you get in that situation is is as exciting as it is when you're just out there knocking around. It's just amplified when you're in a tournament. And 
I enjoyed that. And, but I didn't think I honestly, I, you know, I came from kind of a modest background, both parents were teachers and I thought, man, this, you know, my dad actually told, I remember me, him telling me when I was younger that, you know, you got to have a lot of money if you want to be a pro fisherman. And, and, you know, I kind of, you know, bought into that for a long time. And then I guess as I started competing, I, you know, at some point I realized like, Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And, uh, you know, at each level that I'm fishing, you know, and this is years later. And I, you know, I kind of had, you kind of know when you have those windows of opportunity, you know, to do certain things. And I was fortunate that a couple of things fell my way that just gave me the opportunity to get out there and try some, some upper level tournaments, some, it was a string series at the time, you know, and started mm-hmm. with some BFLs and barely could afford those. I actually won the first one I ever fished was the only way I got to fish the rest of the season. And, uh, into that year went into the strands and that was, you know, that's taking weeks off of work. And I was real fortunate that I was, you know, with my job with the state, I, I had to take leave without pay and I wasn't making much, you know, but I thought, man, you know, this, this is a chance that I can get out here and just kind of, you know, stick my toe in the water and see, you know, see if I can hang with these guys. And, um, it got real tough because I did pretty good, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, now what, you know, and I got to that point where I had to, you know, I didn't, I had, I could, they wouldn't let me take leave without pay anymore. You know, I'd kind of, kind of stretch the string on that one. But, um, you know, and I got, you know, we weren't, we were married, uh, didn't have any kids and, uh, still fairly young. And I was like, man, if I'm going to, try it you know this is the time and uh so we we did and said we'd give it a year and got real close to to not making it through more than a couple of tournaments and uh this was real fortunate that you know things worked out or blessed i would say you know that some things worked out at just the right time you know cast a real important check at just the right time that got me through the season and uh i've been to that point many times in my career you know where i thought hey it's been a good run but this you know it might you know this might be it you know and i'm really grateful that i've had this opportunity and uh for whatever reason the right things happened you know the right i had the right tournament at the right time that you know just kept me in the game and uh it's it's been like that for a long time so i've really really never tried to look too far ahead you know and i think it's good to have goals and uh but it's good to have realistic goals and not um you know take it one step at a time and that's that's what worked for me it took longer but that one step at a time and you know and once you do well at one level maybe trying the next level if you can or when you get the opportunity and and that's what that's what worked for me and next thing i know i find myself in fishing the flw tour then later the bassmaster elite series for 10 years and now into major league fishing so well that's kind of what i wanted to ask you about you know coming up kind of doing a fast forward through through your career to this point a little bit you know like you said you did the year in the flws uh you had a second place finish i believe it was the red river in the classic um you had uh, top tens in the elites on the grand lake sam rayburn st Clair, gunnersville uh west points you had several top tens in the elites right and then you come all the way up now you're at bpt you know you ended last season coming um you know, coming in third place at lacrosse at the Red yeah. Crest. So that's, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty strong way to end the, the 2019 season to go into the off season for 2020. Um, sure. And you came out swinging pretty heavy so far in 2020 and then kind of the breaks got put on the tournament schedule. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. But kind of walk through that. How, how does that play out for you in the season on a really high note um, at the Red Crest? And then how do you prep yourself to get ready to roll for that 2020 season? 
Man, that's a good question. You know, and, and, you know, the big thing was coming out of, you know, the five fish format and going into major league fishing format where, you know, basically where every fish counts pretty much. And then we, you know, we've adjusted the, the size limit that changed things even, you know, a little bit coming from last year to this year, but, you know, I've, I've watched that format and then the cups are something totally different because you just are dropped in a lake and don't have a clue where you're going or, you know, what, what, what lake you're, you're going to be fishing until they, you know, pull up to a boat ramp. And that's a totally different bear in itself. Yeah. But I, I like that, man. I like that. I like that challenge of trying to put that puzzle together and to do it under fire, you know, under pressure and uh, man, it's nerve wracking boy. You, you'll be sweating bullets a lot of times, but I like it, you know, and it just, it just, man, it feels good when you do it, you know, when you get it together and you know, you're out there against the best in the world. And, you know, when you could do it better than most of them on that, on that day or in that tournament, that there's nothing better than that, man. I mean, cause you know, these guys are, they're the best and uh, you see it, you know, you see it watching, watching the the shows, watching live and you see that process that everybody's trying to go through to figure it out. But that was a huge step. Cause I didn't know. And uh, when I got into it, uh, I learned pretty quick because my first elimination round major league fishing, I caught, uh, I was grinding all the way right there on the cut line, trying to get to the next cut, you know, the next, the, uh, the knockout round and made a great, great decision, you know, ran to an area with just a few minutes left, pulled up and popped a three and a half pounder at Toho when, when, and it was a tough bite down there that week. And you know, for about three hours, I had been within a pound of the 20 cut in my group. And I make that move and pop a three and a half and jump up, you know, ahead of everybody. I'm like, yeah, you know, here I was so jacked and then caught another scoreable bass. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to, I've done it. You know, I had that feeling of, Hey, I, I pulled it off right here under pressure. And I don't know how many people remember it, but in the last few seconds, Jordan Lee catches a, two and a half, three pounders, something like that and jumps me. And, and I had, I was halfway putting up my rods thinking that I had made this cut and had pulled it off and then found out Jordan had caught one in the final seconds and it gets posted on the score tracker. And, you know, I found out, you know, I didn't do enough. And I realized then like you, you gotta be on top of this deal every single second, you know? Mm. And, and, uh, and it, and it, and it's, it was, it hurt, man, you know, cause I thought, Hey, I've pulled it off. I made a good decision. I got a couple of bites and jumped ahead of these four other guys that I was, you know, battling with. And it wasn't, you know, ended up not being enough, but it, it was good because it kind of lit a spark under me the rest of the year that, that in that format, you know, nothing is ever enough. And, you know, and, and I started taking that approach even beginning with practice, you know, I realized you can't just find one good area. You got to go find multiple areas, you know, possibly multiple patterns and you can't have enough stuff to work with and enough fish to work with uh, against that group and in that format. So as the year went on, you know, and, and uh, you know, fast forward into the getting into the red crest at the end of the year, I'd kind of started to figure that out and what worked for me by the end of the year. And the red crest was kind of, you know, the, culmination of all that where I, you know, had really dialed it in and was able to, you know, to put some things together and practice and learned how to manage those different qualifying rounds and learning, you know, 
knowing that other anglers know what you're catching, they can see your boat, they know where you're at. So it's, you know, all of a sudden you're working a lot of strategy into it. So, um, it's exciting. <laughs> I mean, so, it's an exciting deal to fish. But. So like when you're talking about the, the different days, you know, you're in different, yeah. you know, your flight A or flight B on your qualifying rounds and stuff like that. How do the different days affect you? Cause you know, like I remember you follow, you know, the first one of this year, um, oh, yeah. you came out round yeah. one, you ended round one in 20th place with, with three fish. Then you turn around around on your day two in the qualifying and get up to second place in your group. Um, you know, how do, is that, did you get on a different pattern or is that just different day, different bite? How did that, that uh, work? Well, out? you, you know, you fish every other day and everybody knows that fish in the spring, you know, how much things can change, mm. you know, they change by the hour. They don't change by the day. They change by the hour in the spring. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of educated guesswork, you know, you're trying to figure out when fish are going to, when they're going to pull up, when they're going to back off, you know, what, you know, you're dealing with fluctuating water levels, different water clarity, you follow, it was everything. It was all of that. Cause we were down there when fish were wanting to come up to spawn. Um, but we had, we had high, like really dirty water. Um, you know, you got fish that are, that want to move up, but you, the, the water comes way up. You got thunderstorms, just so many different variables. And, uh, the first day I just didn't feel like I had this one area in mind, but in practice, it didn't, uh, it didn't seem like it was just ready yet. You know, it needed, it needed some time to clean up a little bit. And so I didn't really fish it. I went and fished, ran some other stuff that first day and just kind of, you know, managed enough just to stay on the cut. Uh, well, we had two days of no rain after that. And so I, you know, figured this area should be cleaning up and I went to it on that second day and I hit it right. You know, I made a good, I made a good guess and, uh, you know, the pattern I was doing was something different. Um, and I was just able to catch them at will that day. And that's <laughs> no better feeling than that, you know, to, to have that day where you just catch them at will, you got them dialed in, you know, you know, every little spot where they're going to be, you know, you got your, the right bait and you're just running circles around the field. That's, that's fun times right there, man. It mm -hmm. doesn't happen much with that group, but it's all about, you know, in the spring, you're breaking it down and just trying to get to the in the major league fishing. You're just trying to get to the next round. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to you want to win every round because and and now you know I will say in the elimination round, if you can win that round, it puts you directly into the finals, which is a huge. And that's what I did on day two. Um, you know, if it had been last year with the format the way it was, I would have caught enough to make it through and pull. You know, I would have pulled off. And uh, just got off the gas. But now, if you win the round, you make the finals. Mm -hmm. And the worst worst you can do is 10th at that point. And uh, so I was battling, I think, Chris Lane at one point, you know, got got past Chris barely. And then, you know, for the probably the last two hours of the day, it was kind of me and Brian Thrift were just kind of throwing blows back and forth. And when it was all said and done, I think Brian caught, you know, a couple right there at the end and kind of pulled away. And uh, – so I ended up not, you know, not winning the elimination round, but, um, uh, it was, it was, uh, and, and two, you know, elimination round counts your weight from the first day. Had I caught a little more the first day, um, that definitely would have been enough to, to get me over Brian and win that round. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of strategy involved, you know, at the same time, you're just trying to figure out how to keep catching fish. So. Well, it looks like you kind of settled in too. Like you didn't fish select, so this was a new deal for you coming yeah. in, right? So after you oh, got yeah. a couple of tournaments in your belt, and we can 
not talk about Okeechobee if you don't want to, but other than that event, <laughs> you were you made the cut and, and got paid for everything, you know. Well, yeah, and, and I'll be if you're willing to, I'd like to talk about Okeechobee. Yeah, and not definitely. from the the overall the detail standpoint, but I'll tell you, you mentioned a minute ago that part of the changes were what qualified as a scoreable bass. And Okeechobee really seemed to be the first time we saw that really play out. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. There was yeah. there was quite a few people that didn't have a scorable bass in the different qualifying rounds, even all the way through, you know, the both qualifying rounds. Um, so how, how did that affect that, having that change in the scorable bass format? Well, I, I you know, definitely for me personally, I would have I would have weighed several scorable bass had, had it still been a pound like last year and in, in that's usually been the approach and, you know, we fish Florida tournaments or what, what, what has worked for me is, you know, number one, just getting around fish. It's not uncommon, especially a place like Okeechobee around the spawn where you're catching one pound fish or one and a quarters or one and a half or even one twelves and your near very next cast, you catch an eight pounder. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a Florida thing that, that happens in, in five fish tournaments, we've been able to, you've been able to just live off of that big bite. So you, you might get, you know, you might catch several of those that are, you know, under two pounds, but then if you, you catch a five and then you catch a six to go with them or a five and an eight, you know, you're, that's a good day. You're, you're just kind of at the mercy of the big bite. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think definitely Okeechobee, that's just a thing down there. You know, you don't normally, you don't go out and catch a bunch of three pounders. You know, you're either catching some that are, you know, pound and a quarter up to, you know, two and a quarter, two and a half, or you're, you're catching, you know, four to eight pounders, you know, and there's not a whole lot of in between, you don't, you just don't catch a whole lot of fish in that two to three pound. You don't, you're not going to catch 20 of those in a day. So that, that was my approach. And then I, I got, uh, you know, got around a few fish caught, caught some, you know, non-scorables and those, those kind of kept me hung in there, you know, in the areas that I was in, because in my mind, you know, from fishing Florida so many times in those conditions, I'm like, yep, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm around the right stuff. Um, you know, I've got the right water clarity. Uh, you know, I've got, I got an area where, you know, fish are, are spawn, have been spawning They're There's, they're coming back. And that, that's the trickiest thing down there. I think is trying to, trying to gauge whether those fish are going to come in that day for you or not during that time of year. And I have been on both ends of it where you, you, you stick it out in an area that everything's set up right and they don't show up. I've been in, I've been in an area like that and thought they weren't going to show up and left and got my brains kicked in in the last two hours of that day. And I've been in the area where they started coming to me and I was that guy that smashed them. And, and that's the trickiest thing about fishing Florida and the spawn is it's very hard to say if an area has got all the right stuff going on, it's so hard to say, Hey, yeah, they're today. They're coming into this spot because it may be perfect and they just don't come for whatever reason. But, um, and that's what got me at Okeechobee. I fished two different areas, built everything around the wind direction. We had a lot of wind that week that, that tore everything up. And, you know, I, I thought I had a really good game plan, um, had two areas that in my mind, you know, everything seemed right. And obviously it, it was wrong. <laughs> so I didn't catch scoreable bass in two days. So you got decoyed by those fish. Yeah. The, yeah. So catching those, catching those few fish and feeling like, Hey, yeah, they, I, I think they're going to be coming in today. It kept me from making a long run mm-hmm. and going to another area. Cause 
because I had been burned by that before too, of leaving an area that was starting to develop too early and, you know, other anglers that, that kind of stuck it out and, you know, just kind of stuck it out because they were catching small fish at the time, but the big females, you know, were going to show up at any hour. And I had been burned by that so many times. It's like, all right, you know, I'm going to stick it out this time. And I'm going to be that guy that's going to, that's going to catch them. And uh, they just didn't show up, you know, for whatever reason. Well, if it makes you feel better, I'd, uh, I've had plenty of days around here on Tim's Ford <laughs> where I would take a non scoreable bass because uh, I couldn't buy a bite. <laughs> Just to get a bite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there too, man. The Lake Jordan right here at the house, one of my favorite lakes. And so many times I went out on that lake, especially when I was learning it, and just could not get a bite, you know, all day long. And it was, it was so frustrating. But it's, you know, that's part of the fun in fishing, you know. And you go out there and, you know, and the fish kick your butt and you don't figure it out. You don't figure out how to get a bite. You know, if you're competitive with the fish, and you're driven, you're going to go back and think about it. You know, you're going to think of different areas or different baits or techniques. And that's, and that's always changing, you know, so for fishing, it just keeps you hooked up, you know, and, and trying to put that puzzle together. And I know for me, that's what I love the most about it. You know, no two days are the same. You're always trying to figure it out. And when you do get your butt kicked, it just lights a little fire under me. And, and I want to get back out there and pay them back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get mad at them. I get mad at them. I do. I get mad at them. And that's how I end up down here in the building, tinkering around and putting baits together and, you know, working on stuff on the boat and adding new electronics and sticking hydrowaves on the boat and, you know, and every little thing, you know, just every little detail. And, you know, because if you fish enough, you start to learn that the details matter and, uh, and it pays to, it pays to pay attention to the details. So, um, that can be the difference in those days where you go out there and it doesn't happen. And there's one little, you know, one little thing you can do different, maybe a, you know, a bait color or action or type or, you know, presentation, you know, moving a bait a little faster, a little slower line size. There's so many different variables mm-hmm. and that's what makes it fun. You know, it's trying to, trying to get it right. I think at, at y'all's level, and we kind of touch on this with the kids sports, so I'm going to try to bring it full circle. Um, yeah. Do you think the average weekend fisherman sometimes overcomplicates things and gets in their own head where they're not catching them? Like I felt like I used to throw a shaky head uh, almost every day and I didn't have a problem finding a limit. And yeah. then you start overcomplicating things and not, not guys at, at your level, but the average, average guy. Do you think we overcomplicate things where we could be that seven year old who didn't know a three point stance? <laughs> and uh, yeah. if we yeah. just kept doing what we were told and learned, we, we'd be better off. Yeah, no doubt, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, the fishing, you know, I've, you know, write some articles for a magazine here and, you know, and over the years and in my mind, I've kind of, you can re, you can simplify it. You can make it as so complex and, and both are important, but if you want to break it all down, it's just as simple as location and then, you know, bait and bait and presentation. Mm-hmm. It's a two part deal. You know, it's location and it's bait and presentation. And you can you can be doing, you know, uh, you can be fishing a really good bait and be in a terrible area. You're not going to catch them. You're gonna, you can be throwing the bait that the fish are just, you know, just killing it. If you're in the wrong area, you're not going to catch them that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, on, the, on the flip side of that, you know, you can be in a great location and not be giving the fish what they want. And you're not going to catch them so you start with that. And, and when you get back to that shaky head, that's a great way. And, you know, 
you start with just trying to get bites and shaky head or, or, you know, a small, you know, a small bait, something simple, just a worm, you know, a worm is just the fish catching its bait ever, you know, and you can start with a worm or a small jig or something like that just to get bites. Mm -hmm. Once, once you find out you've got fish there, you know, then, then you kind of, you kind of solve that location issue. Once you, you find that pattern, what the fish are relating to, once you just get bites, then you can, you know, you can start refining your, your bait and presentation. Um, that's, that's generally how it starts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the location issue, you can, you can break that out into a whole different bunch of arms of trying to put it together, but, um, you don't want to make it too complicated, especially on the lake. You know, most, most weekend anglers are, are not fishing lakes from, you know, California to New York, New York to Florida. You know, mm -hmm. they're fishing, they got two, maybe three lakes tops, you know, we're really fortunate here in Alabama, probably a few more than that, that you could be fishing on any given, given weekend. And, uh, but a lot of them are on the same river system. So like the Coosa river, you got, you know, whatever it is, four or five, six lakes on the Coosa river system. Well, they all are, are fairly similar, you mm -hmm. know, maybe the type baits they get or the type areas they like at a certain time of year. So, um, the biggest thing for that is to be taking notes. And if, if you're like me and, and you tend to forget a lot of stuff, then you need to write it down, you know, and, and go back. A fishing log is, is not outdated, you know, mm -hmm. to have that stuff written down that you can refer to. If you're fishing the same lakes on a regular basis, man, it is so, it was so helpful to me when I first got in tournament fishing around here. Cause I got my brains beat in by these guys like Russ Lane and, and so many more, mm -hmm. you know, that, 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 knew especially these coosa river lakes because i was a lake martin guy you know grew up dragging a worm in brush piles that my dad built you know and uh but i you know was taking a lot of notes and trying to figure out you know what type of areas those fish related to and what type of baits worked in situations and do that for a year or two or three you would you would be amazed how that stuff will start lining up for you and, and you can just go back and refer to it you know when you hit that situation later on in a tournament or something like that so well, what new techniques have you been working on in downtime? What's something new that you've said, I, I need to do better at this? Oh, without a doubt, a vibrating jig. Really? I, I am, man, I am so bad with vibrating jig. I, I, these guys, I, they have crushed me on that vibrating jig. And I know, and I know people listen to this are like, hey, man, it ain't that hard. You know, I know that's what they're saying. And, and I tell myself, hey, man, it ain't that hard. Just chunk it and wind it, you know, you know, and, and I've, but it's something I've been working on. One of the problems I had was I get, I would get frustrated with missing fish or losing fish. And, you know, looking back, I, I've started to learn, you know, maybe the speed of retrieve was important, the, the rod type, even the line type. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm starting to learn that there's a few, you know, little things that for me that, you know, in every bite I can get on it, you know, in times like this, when, when my career is not on the line that I can go out and experiment with it you know, and I can afford to miss fish if it, you know, if it's not a tournament, mm -hmm. I can afford to miss fish and keep throwing it and keep trying something different till I start catching those fish. And so that's something for me, like I really been, you know, been working hard trying to get some confidence in because I can tell you the tournaments and the lakes we go to most of the time when the guys are going to catch them on a vibrating jig. And it's nothing more frustrating than knowing that everybody else is going to catch them on something, but not feeling like you can, you know, and, uh, 
over the past year, you know, I've gotten a lot better with that and get more confidence in it. So yeah, we saw him doubt. play big last year early on. I mean, that seemed like it was going to be the almost oh, the chatterbait tour. Well, it was, and you know, and and it's timing, and you know, the the timing we're hitting these lakes. So, you know, you you know, when you get there and it's pre spawn, and you know, when the water's cold, you know, it's it's basically any time that they'd probably hit a crankbait, they they'll probably hit a chatterbait. You mm -hmm. know, um, you know, I say chatterbait. There's a lot of different kinds out there that are good to throw now. Right. But, right. But you know, the type of you know the type of cover you run into might you know that bait might be more suited mm -hmm. you know to throw and you know, the big thing for us in major league fishing is, is covering water. Cause it's not a, it's a numbers game, you know? And, uh, you know, a, a, a vibrating jig, you know, I, I'm a swim jig guy. I love swim jig. And it's the same way. It's a, it's a bait that you can, you can cover a lot of water, but you can catch some big ones on it too. You know, you can cover water and, and that's the name of the game in our deal. So, you know, when you see a, a situation that sets up for it, you know, people are going to be throwing it because they can keep moving and, and, and keep catching fish, you know, and, and not be just locked into, you know, dragging around on one spot, you know, trying to milk it. So I never would have thought a Kusa guy likes a swim jig. Oh man, that swim jig is so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> I think that's where it's, it's invented was the yeah, Kusa. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the rumor. <laughs> so apparently guys were had been throwing it about ten years. They've been doing it around here before I ever learned about it. So you can imagine how much I donated before I figured that thing out. But well, when you it's, learn a new a uh, new technique, do you take everything out of the boat and just go throw that? I don't, but I, I, I've, you know, I'll cut the rods down, you know, as far as how many rods I got in the boat, or I might just throw a few trailers in there to try, you know, so mm -hmm. say like the vibrating jig, you know, I might, might, might tinker with a few different trailers, you know, net bait's got a good, several different plastics that are, you know, good on a, on a vibrating jig for different situations. And uh, so I'll go out and, and do that, but I don't, I, if I if I set my mind to it and say I'm gonna figure this bait out, then I go out there and I put my head down and and uh, you know I keep those other rods in the box, but I don't take them out of the boat. <laughs> you talked about different trailers on the vibrating jig. What would you, what would make you think to change a trailer, and what would you be looking for in your different trailer options? One thing uh, for me, like with this with the vibrating jig, uh, it, it seems like you you want to try to decide if those fish are keying more on bait fish, you know, minnows, shad, you know, for example, or if they're maybe feeding on crawfish or brim. Um, for me, the net bait has a little spanky, it's a little boot tail, little small bait pairs are really good on those vibrating jigs, and I'll throw that as a trailer when I feel like they're eating minnows. And I'll, I'll generally go white, chartreuse white, things like that for my color selection. Then if, you know, if I feel like they're on crawfish, which happens a lot, you know, pre-spawn, they're going to be on a real heavy crawfish bite. I'll, I'll use a, a twin tail. And then again, in the post-spawn when they're eating brim, uh, a twin tail seems to be a good choice. And I'll throw uh, a mini kicking bee uh, as a net bait, bait, it's just twin tail deal. And, you know, it's got a little flat body on it. So it rides really good back there. And, and uh, also the uh, we got a small paca slim that's got the little paca flapping claws. I'm sure people are familiar with the paca stuff, and it's it's a, a really good choice for for vibrating jig as far as you know for those little those little claws just kind of flutter around and you know tickle their nose a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I, I've I have uh, done pretty good with it this this past season uh, playing with that three and a half paca slim. Uh, it's it's becoming one of my favorites. So and you can rig. 
rig it flat or you can rig it straight up where the the claws almost look like a, a fishtail if you can picture that if they're rigged up and down so you're basically so you're taking the same head bait and you're you're paying attention to the details and making changes yeah. to go into what they're actually feeding on right then yeah you know and, and the action of that bait's going to be different with each one of those trailers and that's something you need to you know pay attention to when you're bringing that bait and you can feel it you know in a vibrating jig you can feel it and um you know that that twin tail that mini kicking bee's got a lot of drag to it and so your head you know your your jig may not be jumping around bouncing around and be as erratic but that may be what you want you know kind of like a flat-sided crankbait would do yeah um then you get into you get the little spanky on there with that boot tail kicking around and that thing is gonna you know it's gonna go nuts and it looks like shad and you throw it around a shad spawn like this time of year and, and uh you know they'll be fighting to get a hold of it and uh so yeah, it's each the trailer, you know, on a on any kind of jig, you know, including the vibrating jig. The trailer has so much to do with how that bait acts in the water and how those fish perceive it, you know, under the water. It makes a huge difference. Well, you definitely seem like you got everything kind of geared up, got your mind right on it. I uh, we were looking at some numbers. So you've been with uh, us for what seven years now, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. you've uh, you've kind of done some different models. You've gone with the 920 a couple of years. You did the 921. Now you're running the Elite. Do you yeah. uh, do you like to have that bigger boat now that you're not, you know, overly concerned about uh, having to be a certain place at a certain time, trying to lighten the load up? Uh... Yeah. Here's the deal with me, man. With Phoenix, I I the first Phoenix I got was a 920, and first of all, and it, and everyone I've had since then is is how well that boat rides. It has a lot of advantages that I can tell you about and go on and on, but it's one of the, the best riding boats. And I loved that 920 and I ran it for a few years, afraid to go to the, because I like to, you know, I like Ricky Bobby. I want to go fast, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when I went to the 21, I was like, and, and I changed a few things with my battery set up, you know, and, um, you know, took the charger out of the boat. So I took a little bit of weight out of the boat when I went to the 21 and my speed didn't drop too terribly much, you know, too mm -hmm. much. And, you know, and I'm not racing anybody anymore, you know, and you're talking about a difference of, you know, a half a mile per hour, maybe one tops mm -hmm. is, is what I've, I've seen. And man, that 21 is just, it's for me, you know, I'm a big dude, you know, I, I, I stumble around up there on that deck. So I need all the space I can get. And so when I went to the, the 921, I was like, man, this is it. You know, this is me right here. And uh, so now I'm running the Elite, and I've got even a little more space up there on the deck, you know, across the, you know, across the bow. And uh, so I'm loving it right now. I like the space, you know, bigger boat. You know, it just takes those waves so well. So, And you got to love those thing. slam latches, huh? I, I do. I do because <laughs> – I, here's the thing for me, like I had gotten used to having them. So I just got in the habit of spinning them and, and, and setting them back down. And uh, I tripped on them maybe for the first year I was in that boat. But when I have somebody else fish with me, they don't think about it quite as much, especially gauge. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, those, those, you got these little mine, mines sitting around on your boat, ready to take you out. And, uh, <laughs> these slam latches are awesome. You just, you know, you just pull it up and, do what you got to do and just shut the compartment and it's done. It lays flush with the deck. And so, yeah, I, I like those a lot on the, on this newer boat. Well, excellent. I'd say so. Did you, did you get your hands on one of the sliding tackle systems for that one? You know, I haven't. I, oh man. Yeah. 
I, I've got to try it, man. And so, you know, I, I found my system and I, and I'm still working on, you know, my layout in there. Cause I have a system, you know, it's kind of building off of what works for me, organizing tackle over the years. And so I had like the perfect system, you know, we had the two compartments on the, the 921 and I kind of, you know, had figured out, you know, how I like to lay everything and where I like to lay it and the, the size boxes I used and where I put them and all of that. And I really like this single box because everything's right there accessible. And I'm still, you know, finding out exactly where I want to put certain things in there. And, you know, one thing I like about the, the 921 Elite is that day box, man. That thing is so nice because that's the, that's the pack of, you know, baits or whatever it is that, you know, that you're, you're catching them on that's laid right there up on the top. You don't have to open a big lid to get to them. And any of those little things that you might need that day, especially in a tournament where you're trying to be efficient, you just lay it right there in that day box and, and grab it real quick. So that, I love that day box. Well, excellent. Well, we know your time's busy. Um, one thing we always like to do with folks is uh, we, I guess we've coined it a hot seat, even though you're not here, you, <laughs> but uh, it's going right. to be just some rapid fire questions for you. Uh, All right. So uh, Brian, I'll let you start. All right. Uh, we'll start off with an easy one. Baseball or football? Baseball. Would you rather look like a fish or smell like a fish? Smell like a fish. <laughs> uh, favorite boat snack? Peanuts. Would you rather be the first in the water or the last one in the water? First. Group A or group B? Group A. One meal you can only have for the rest of your life. What is it? Fried fish. <laughs> Crappie fillets, not bass. There you go. <laughs> Corn or flour tortillas? Corn. Would you rather be uh, hit by a pitch or hook an eight-pounder outside the mouth? Uh, hit by a pitch all day long. <laughs> <laughs> all right, segue off of that. Three fish landing penalties in a row or wear an Alabama shirt for a day? Oh, three, three fish landing violations in a row. <laughs> easy. That's the easiest one yet. Would you rather live without TV or music? TV. All right, this is an uh, outside-the-box one. Would you rather always know what time it is or always have exact change? Always know what time it is. Without a doubt, especially in fishing. Yeah, it'd be tough to make it to weigh-ins. Or, <laughs> or lines out, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, I'm three minutes late, but, uh, hey, I've got the right change. Yeah. <laughs> I can pay that gas bill. Yeah. <laughs> I can pay the gas right. Oh, man, let's see. Mm. Mountains or beach for vacation when y'all go? Well, say that one again. Mountains or beach when y'all go on vacation? Oh, mountains. 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 Yeah. How many cell phones have you broken? The beach is too much salt water. No bass. <laughs> How many cell phones well, have you broken? Cell phones, three. Three. That's not bad. Hmm. No. Would you rather be fishing in the spring or the fall? Fall. Would you rather? I'm not, not going to go in depth on that one. I'll just yeah. keep it short. But yeah. One bait you can only throw for the rest of your life. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Jig. Jig. Yep, it'd be a jig. Uh -huh. I mean, I got so many. That's so hard. Like, like if they would just hit a topwater all year round, it'd probably be a topwater. 
What about but, a, a Carolina rig or like a Biffle head? Oh my! Oh, I hate both. <laughs> uh, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> I hate both. The Biffle rig because it's <laughs> at least you can tie the thing on pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, shoot, man, we've taken enough of your time. We can't thank you enough, and uh, hopefully, we get to see you back out there, keep you uh, rolling on the the starts you've had so far this year. Heck yeah, man. Enjoy talking to you guys. You guys that are listening, keep fishing. You know, keep staying after it. Enjoy the outdoors. Get some sun. And uh won't be long. You're gonna be gonna be competing in some of these tournaments and, and keeping up with us. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate all the support to you guys. Oh, Check yeah. out those Phoenix boats. And we'll be looking for some uh some red rooster t shirts at some point here. Hey, we'll be working on it. All right. Just man. let me know. Appreciate right, it, Greg. Thanks, Thank buddy. You. See you. Bye bye.